Hey everybody, welcome back to the Midlife Media Guys. My name is Jim and I am here with... I'm Adrian. And we are here today to talk about sound. Did you hear that, Adrian? The sound. Of, That's right. Of, of sound, not the sound of silence. We're here to talk about sound. The, <laughs> the, the presence of sound, the recording of sound, how sound has been... Yeah, how we get it. How we, how we listen to it. How it's being played to us through the recording side, the listening side, just that, you know, the, it has actually has changed so much in how uh, we hear sounds, yeah. <laughs> basically. I, I remember, yeah. you know, straight away going right into it as a kid growing up, probably a little bit before your time, but you probably saw one if you walked into somebody's garage or something, you know, the old AM radios, the transistor radios, you know, with those speakers and thinking those well, sounded phenomenal. Had one. Yeah, my grandpa had well a little leather. He had a little leather. It was wrapped in like a little leather case, mm-hmm. and uh, that that sucker had the ball game on all the time. I mean, it was just like it was just that. That's almost like a soundtrack. Uh, yeah, is a a ball game playing on a little transistor radio. <laughs> I think one of the weaknesses to some of the late seventies, early eighties music. You know, remember bands like Alabama. And they had these big country songs that were, you know, kind of crossover top 40 hits. Oh, yeah. I went back and tried to listen to them three, five weeks ago. I was just listening to bad country music one afternoon. No offense. (laughs) And I remember these songs being really awesome when I was a kid, when I had a transistor radio with a single speaker. But there I was listening to it in high def through my headphones and it sounded terrible and it well it made me wonder if it was actually made for transistor radio and that's why it sounded good for am radio during its time it's it's kind of interesting how uh, that's why uh, i think people have to go back and there's all this remastering that happens because the time it was something's recorded yeah uh, it's going to affect how it's played back and then what people were playing it back they go hand in hand Mm -hmm. you know what i mean the tech that was in the studio and then because that's the thing, those guys are listening back on stuff that is the highest level in the studio, but everyone else is, it depends on your speakers that you have. And uh, it, just on top of my head, it reminds me of our, when we were talking about MTV and stuff, how it was mm-hmm. hand in hand with the hi-fi stereo. Yeah. Uh, that was in the eighties, the watching old eighties commercials about ooh, left and right stereo. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> it just, it makes me laugh. Do you remember being a kid and going around the back of the TV and seeing the red and yellow and white, you know, plug in and being like, I can plug right. this into the stereo. I'm going yeah, no, I mean, just figuring all that, having that for the first time, it was like, oh, wow, that is so cool. You know, um, that's like with me and surround sound. You worked a miracle yep. to your parents when you did that. All of a sudden the sound yep. was coming through the stereo. And- <laughs> it's a good segue to the, the, the wonder that I had when I was a teenager and we went to, uh, Crossgates Mall in, mm-hmm. in Albany, right? First time, big, huge mall. It was like, ooh, this is fancy. Oh yeah. And you go to the you go to the Bose store. The first yeah. time that they had when Bose and they had the room, they had the home <laughs> theater room. And you were like, whoa, what is this? And the guy closes the doors. The and little, bo- turns the little that boxes, thing on, the little tiny boxes, and the and you're just looking at all the little speakers. You're like, what? And there's five point, and he's explaining it to you. Five point one surround and. The first time you heard it, you were like, holy crap, this is amazing. <laughs> the bass is, and the fact that they, they were able to split the sound all up. I mean, that's the, mm-hmm. the beauty of it. I mean, ever since then, I was hooked. Uh, I got a home theater system and I made sure all my friends had home theater systems. <laughs> I still, to this day, I mean, first you thing I did like when that. I came here is I had to get a little stereo. <laughs> 
hearing just the TV wasn't enough. No, I had yeah, to have yeah. the surround sound and I had to have the sound coming from everywhere or else it just doesn't sound right to me anymore. You know, what's <laughs> funny about that though, is I also remember going over to like friends houses in the nineties. And if they had one of those bows, like shelf CD systems right. or something, yeah. those, those things just sounded like the best sounding boom box you ever could have gotten hold of. Right. They're, yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't yeah. sound the same anymore, but the way that yep. the sound quality has changed, things that have, have come along, you know, you listen to one of those. Now I, I worked in a British version of a, of a Best Buy here in yeah. the UK called Curry's and they have bow systems and things on the shelves. And it wasn't that same experience that you had back in the nineties standing back from it. it I think there've been so many copycats or there's been so much yeah. more advancement in sound with, other companies oh, having a good having a good boom box i remember as a kid you would show yeah. up and be all you'd be like listen to this guys we could and then you listen to something for about two minutes because that's about all the batteries could do <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, the 20 batteries <laughs> the, the 20 d batteries that are stuck in the bag that you bought and you're just like let's let's go down and play basketball check it out guys we can listen to music i had one of those boom boxes that you could detach the speakers Oh yeah! Oh, you know, yeah. you could detach yeah. the speakers. Well, oh, that was the know. early surround sound. When yeah, you, you <laughs> spread the speakers out and put them on either side of you, really far away. Like that—that <laughs> that was early. That was our old school surround sound. No, the the boom boxes were cool. You had the, some that had the equalizers on them, so you had an equalizer oh, God, yeah. on your boom boxer. You had a. Uh, you know, these big, massive speakers. I mean, I never had any of the real big ones. The the crazy big ass yeah. ones. No, I never could either. I just, I, I never saw the point in that. I, this thing, I, I wanted the home, I wanted my house system to rock. I didn't really matter about bringing it around. Uh, you know, I was happy with the fact when they came out with a Walkman, that was the coolest thing I could have had as a kid. Well, let's talk about that. That happened in our life. I mean, that's personal sound. That is transport with sound. So what was the impact of being able to take music with you? Everywhere you wanted to look go. At, I mean, talk about like just we live in the future. I mean, look at us. We went from having a a you know a box that you had to put batteries in that you put a tape in, uh, then that was connected to a wire to some things that you put over your ears. Yep, yep. And now we got those little. We just got these little things that stick out of our ears <laughs> and walk around. You know what I mean? Just somebody not even that long ago. The eighties isn't that really that that long ago but even someone from the 80s would have no fucking clue what the hell's going on with these people with the little things sticking out of their ears little antenna you know <laughs> those those pods well we'll call them yeah we'll, pods we'll call them or whatever, pods yeah. or you know the buds yeah like i have in-ear ones that are flush that you wouldn't see but you wouldn't see these and you know if you were walking past me until i walked right up to you but i see these buds that people are wearing as kind of like the modern day Bluetooth, the people that walk around with it in their ear when they don't really need to have it. They're not talking to anybody. They're just walking around with a bud in their ear or two of them. And you always find out they've lost one and they, they had to replace it or. Right. uh, I don't know. I think it's the old man, get off my lawn guy in me that looks at these guys with these buds and thinks this is the stupidest thing i've ever seen this is weird it's just strange but this blows my mind that i'm just i'm a single kid you know i have a in-ear thing and i'm talking it has the microphone on it and little in-ear thing that's got cheapy thing sounds just as good as the big expensive headphones that we used to have back in the day cover your whole ear you know the, the ones that my dad had the big huge the cable the that would stretch out so you could like try to get away from the radio a little bit, but you actually had the over ear, you know. Dude, you have a hanging, dangling microphone 
that's broadcasting your voice across the Atlantic Ocean yeah. to podcast with me. <laughs> I mean, that's just nuts. I, yeah, it's it's just a, it's just a weird kind of thing. And it I think nowadays, I know that there's the Beats, you know, those those the Beats headphones and stuff that you can get, but I don't. I still can't bring myself. I don't don't care how good they are to spend what six seven hundred dollars on a no, pair that's crazy. of those kind of headphones. But I kind of miss that. I hope that there's still people doing the old school. Like I know that uh, you know, there's stories of the back in the day with those big seventies headphones. Man, the pregnant woman, you know, you could put them on your belly and just yep. rock out that baby down in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's you know, I think that's um, responsible for my love of Pink Floyd to this day. Is that 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 that's was listened to as, <laughs> when I was still forming, you know, I, uh, I, I have had some of those branded headphones and I'll tell you that in my experience of it, the highest range of them are no better than really good ones. You can find between the low and middle range. I got to think how good can it really, I mean, at the point, if you're just listening to it over that close in headphones, I mean, it's, it, you know, really it gets sound, to how sound good in high definition is sound in high definition. If you're getting, you know, the correct, right. how can it get speaker. once that gets to that point, can it get any better? You know what I mean? These headphones yep. that keep coming out with it. I understand that it sounds good, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, once something sounds good, can it get sound better than that? I don't know. <laughs> There's gotta be a ceiling. There's gotta be a ceiling to this is as good as it can sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Unless you're a, a, a computer microphone, you're not going to pick up on the frequency differences and shit that, so it's kind of people, I think it's a, a little bit of a, a status thing. People just want like the headphones have become a new, like, look how much money I spend on shit. Well, you know, thing. there was like a time a Beats, where I think people, know, I people thought they felt really cool. You know me, I worked selling cell phones, mobile phones yeah. for, you know, five or six years here in, in the UK. And I definitely saw that the iPhone was a social status phone. Oh God. Yeah. You know, especially after working in the same store for a few years and seeing people have to come back and get one the next year, it didn't matter what it costs and trading it out. It was a symbol of something having that phone. And I think that those headphones are really the headphones of, uh, that are a symbol, probably the symbol that was precursor to that was maybe the, the Sony Walkman headphones you talked about earlier and you had a Sony Walkman, but there was a status to the actual Walkman. Yeah the, yeah, the certain Walkmans that, you know, there was the, the really cheapy ones and then there's the nice sport ones that were like waterproof and, uh, you know, and that bass boost on them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the bass boost. Yeah, you know, gotta have bass boost. One of the things, if you don't mind me talking about for a few minutes, that's changed a lot in our time is recording and how sound got to us. Oh, hell yeah. Can I talk about that for a couple of seconds? Of course. Of you course. know, the history of recording is pretty cool. Before the show, I decided to go look it up and I expected to get this entire, you know, 12 page wiki on the history of sound recording. And it's one really short page and it's broken down really simply to the acoustic era, the electrical era, the magnetic era, and the digital era. And the acoustic uh, yeah. era really was just like, you couldn't plug into anything and record. If you think about it, Thomas Edison, the first phonograph that he made, you could play right. things on it and record on it. So you recorded into these things. So you had to yell at these were the mic. That was the microphone, and it recorded right, right. onto the disc. Yeah, those and then the cylinders or whatever. Yes, they had. yes, yeah, yeah. And then you had the electrical era, and then you could plug stuff in. And they, with that era, they made those master discs that you hear them talk about. 
uh, during right. that time. And that, that was a, an era that really only ran for about 20 years from 1925 to 1945. Not much music is on, on that. The next recording that comes along is the magnetic era. And this is what kind of came from all the way from 1945 into our life. So this lasted about 30 years. I think it went further, but that was tape that was recording on magnetic tape. And this right. was four tracks. Well, actually the first studios like sun studios and, you know, Memphis right. that Elvis recorded yep. in the studios. I know that buddy Holly recorded in, they recorded on the, these two track tapes, but the tape gave them much better sound and the recording on the tape was actually kind of a uh, a discovery because of film. And in the way right. film was getting laid down, they realized how they could lay down these magnetic tapes this way with the audio. So tapes eventually, you know, they they became four tracks and sixteen tracks, and you know, twenty four. Yeah, it's just more and, that you can. And, and it got on. yeah, you know, as I would say, probably. They were still just doing 16 track albums up through a lot of the 70s. And right. then, you know, it, it got bigger as it went through the 80s and the 2000s. And then this is where I argue with it being 1975, because in 1975, the digital era came. And, right. and that was when you were able to actually manipulate the sound of the computer. You had the wavelength. You could, you know, shift well, just, pitch. Then, yeah. The whole new wave, uh, the new wave of sound in the 80s. I mean, the yeah. synthesizer was just such a, that's a, that was such a change for sound for the, just the idea of sound and how, you know what I mean? The, the advent of adding technology, the fact that you could get a sound from technology. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting too. I mean, sound is all just wavelengths and it's sound is uh, absolutely just uh, mesmerizing to me. Yeah, <laughs> the whole no, concept no it is. I, I argue about the whole digital era only because I would say most musicians who are under 23, 24 years old, in up and coming bands when they were recording in the eighties and even the very early start of the nineties, we're still recording on tape. They might have had eight track reel to reel the, you know, with a, with a console, mixing console, little, little four track things. I mean, that was like that's, that was such a huge advent for small time musicians, wasn't it? It, it was fantastic. But, but the thing the is, as you say, in your for room, small you could record your own shit. But here's the thing. Those things have stories of legend. And so yeah. when, when you're a kid and somebody gave you a four track in 1988 and you had a guitar and then they told you that the Beatles recorded Sgt. Pepper's on a four track, right. you're like, what? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i can do that too i don't know i yeah it kind of it, it was like interesting it put it more into the hands of the musician the ability for somebody to just do it in their bedroom a little bit you know what i mean to lay down those tapes dude that's what it was a tape for me i mean shit the advent i have just i was if you knew me back in the day you got a mixtape from me i was a mixtape master i love the fact of being able to record stuff go into recording you know like with, with like a four track you were able to, you know, you know, like harmonize with yourself. You could go back and record right. over stuff. Yeah. You know, you yeah. could be a multi-instrumentalist with it. But I do think that the digital era of recording killed a lot of creativity that came with oh, magnetic yeah. tape recording. Well, yeah, because you had push-button filters now and stuff in a way. I don't know. I mean, because back in the day, you still had to. I, in my mind, I'm thinking of looking at a four track and I just, the first time I saw one, I was mesmerized. I love, I love, <laughs> I'm a total nerd and geek. I love dials 
and sliders. And I was just like looking at, you know, seeing something like that, a piece of electronics that I didn't know exactly what it was for. It made me want to know it, you know? I swear that I learned how to run a mixing board off of, or at least the beginning of it came from playing with a four track. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's so funny. I've seen it done. I have so, so many friends that have run sound and um, you know what I mean? A buddy has his own business and stuff and it's just, but I was always like, if I went to your house as a kid, I remember going and seeing somebody who had a nice system and mm-hmm. they had like the big equalizer <laughs> and they just, they had it all flat. That would drive me nuts. <laughs> that would drive me nuts with somebody who would have a nice EQ and they'd have it all and it wasn't adjusted. And if they were playing music and it, if it didn't sound good to me, I like, I had to fix it. I would have to be like, can I fix your thing? Cause you got it all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, <laughs> totally. you'd, be, you'd be a great sound guy. You'd be great. Behind I should have been. I, I yeah. in my mind, I, if I could have done it again, I probably would have leaned more into I think anybody who listens to this show who knows Adrian would agree with that 100%. Your your taste in music is so diverse. You would you would not be biased against, you know, band to band. You would just give the best sound yeah. to every single band that got on stage. I, I think the world is lost. I bet there's a lot of producers that the world never found because there's a lot of kids like me who went through even in school and never knew about those kind of things. Yeah. I never knew that there was there's people that they don't play music but they just know about what sounds good. You know, producers mm-hmm. and those people, you've, we've needed the filter. It's like a filter for all the people who think they're the next Beatles <laughs> and all the musicians <laughs> who think they're the greatest thing on earth. You need somebody who's not a musician to be like, no, actually, that sounds like shit. <laughs> or you got to do it like this. You know that's what, what I mean? a producer like, is. Yeah, exactly. And how yeah. many people like uh, Rick Rubin and stuff, like guys that just have brought the most amazing music out to us. And it was just because they had an ear for it. You know, you know the uh, Beatles yeah, followed the, the rules of George Martin. Right. You know, yes. they followed, hey, he, he was their producer. They they did what yes. he told them to do. Yep. Because, I mean, the results are there. You yeah. know what I mean? Because if it sounds good, it sounds good. Yep. And that's, I love the stories of the the influence of a great um, producer. And, and when you go back and listen to an album, and it was like, yeah, the musicians are playing the music, but the disc sounds the way it does because of the engineers and the producer and the guy who had the ear to be like, nah, we should make it sound like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's little things that you would never even know about. My favorite thing is a uh, Pantera vulgar display of power, right? Yep. Um, there's a little trick that they did with Vinnie Paul's drums. They put quarters so it would click. There was this little tiny click that would happen and it just, you can barely when you go back and listen to it i don't know it brings there's this metallic edge to the drums that when you hear that you're like oh that's such a cool little trick but they put quarters so then when they hit it would just a little click thing it's a recording but that's trick. something that you would only yeah you, most people will barely even notice that or you know what i mean or like when you're recording that how would you even think of that they'd be like let's put this little it needs something. You know what I mean? That's what blows my mind is somebody had the ear to be like, ah, we need to get this edge to it. Let's put quarters on your drums. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? Or just those tricks that, you know, the old recording tricks that used to, you know what I mean? When you see happen in the studio to be like, that's how they got that sound. What? They just <laughs> dropped the, they dropped a, a silverware drawer and it made up, you know what I mean? And they just happened to record it. And, like that's just awesome. I love that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun to be creative in the studio. One of the tricks that we used to do that I actually think as I'm I tell the world this now, it might not be total common knowledge. 
what you do is you have a song that's not quite going at pace. It doesn't quite sound right, but you like the song. It's got a feel. And so you slightly down tune your guitar and you record it. And then when you play it back, you pitch shift it up. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when you pitch correct up, it can sometimes make a song sound brighter. If that makes sense. Right. I love the descriptive things of sound. That's, that's you know what I mean? The sound's bright. Is, it's like a light. Exactly. It's, you can, you can, it's it so soundy. <laughs> you can hear it, see it at the I same know. time. I love, I love the ways that we have to describe sound and be like, yeah, it's such a bright sound. Be like, what the hell does that mean? But it, it, it means something. I, it's I a dark it. sound. <laughs> yes, it's dark. Yeah. Well, right there. I mean, uh, the advent of heavy metal. I mean, the fact that it took, um, that's all you had to I, say, I, folks, I, to get Adrian to talk about heavy metal. I, know. I said dark sound. <laughs> Shit. Here we go for 20 minutes. He yeah. said Sabbath. Well, just hey, just the Sabbath thing where he 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 they um he nicked his finger off and he had to have that little prosthetic and mm-hmm. it changed the way that the set the guitar was played and that and it made that dark sound that they manipulated, and then suddenly <laughs> we have the birth of a whole new genre of music. It's just because of the pitch of the sound, and it's so funny. So I'm just going to transition us out of recording, go back to like movies and home systems. We will talk about this to finish the show kind of with, but I want to talk about cinema sound and I want to talk about that magic sound. Whenever you had a new sound system and you put a movie on and it was just starting up and you heard this drop across your living room and it was just like everything was all right. That oh, sound. The THX screen, man. That was like the most. Yeah, dude. To, to us sound <laughs> geeks and stuff. It was it's in a nice theater. Like, oh boy, give me goosebumps. I swear to God, for a while, it was like a marker of a good movie. Like you heard that sound at the start. And you're like, I'm going to be in for something now. There's going to yeah. be shit flying all around me. <laughs> I remember for a little while there, there was like, you got to, if you, if they, if the movie played with the THX thing in the beginning, like Pixar mm-hmm. started to do that, like the Pixar movies and stuff, when the THX thing would come up, there'd be a little, uh, that funny little lamp thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, you know what yep. I mean? And they started to play with that and you're like, oh, that was cool enough to be like, eh, that's cool. So I yep. remember the first time hearing that and getting goosebumps <laughs> and going, holy crap. And actually turning around. I remember it, the first time I was in the surround sound theater, like turning or look, looking for the sound, like, wait a minute. That? <laughs> that just sounded like it was from behind me. What? You know, like I remember just being blown away by well, that. Well, then you got, yeah. Then you got Jurassic Park with the whole stomp. Oh God. And, and the, the glass yes, of water and, and the, the ripple. Water. <laughs> yeah, that became that. That's an iconic thing now. That is in yeah. culture, that little ripple of water. Like most people know exactly what that means if that is shown in anything. That's a huge reference of sound yeah, in film. The, the, the ripples. And it's like, yeah, that's amazing. It's it's such a deep kind of dive too. the fact that it's ripples and it's a way of just showing what sound really is. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. When I first learned, when you learn about like how, I don't know, from the human ear all the way down to just um, how you can record and stuff. And it's all it seems like magic to me. You know what I mean? That you can speak into something and it can be recorded on the side. When you were a kid, I think there was nothing funner than hanging out with your friends and taking a blank tape and putting it in something and just recording (laughs) you doing all the stupid shit and then listening back to it. And then you would laugh. Yeah. You would laugh at yourself until you peed your pants almost. 
just <laughs> listening to yourself again. It, there's something about it. There's something about being able to capture. It's like a time machine. You know what That's I mean? hilarious. Uh, you know, being able to record is truly like a, like a time machine. Oh, absolutely. I've got great cassette tapes of, you know, my family when I was young that my dad did back in the seventies. Oh yeah. We had a little single cassette recorder. I remember my dad with this cassette recorder. I mean, Adrian and you and I grew up in an age with a boom box with a cassette tape stuck yeah. in yeah. trying to catch the top 40, you know, yeah. just at the right time to record it. But I remember being a kid and my dad having a single speaker cassette recorder that was probably, you know, top of the line at its time for cassette recorders and it had this little pop-up microphone and it was the year it was the well it was the weekend that Elvis had died and they were playing all of Elvis's songs on the radio that weekend and my dad made my dad made us all shut the fuck up in the house and <laughs> and he you know he got the cassette i think he had like eight cassette tapes yeah, don't talk around you know he, yeah, and he and he took the speakers and he pointed them towards the cassette recorder and he recorded oh it. God, he was recording hilarious. all that Elvis music. Yeah, the funny thing is, as a kid growing up, and he listened back to them, they didn't sound bad to me either. You know, well, you think too when the tapes first came out, how many people were probably setting up recording like that onto a tape for their rec, like recording their records on the tape so they could have their records on tape. And now that records have become popular again. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's come around where people have listened to digital sound for so long and the digital cleanness, like that bright yep. digital brought such a cleanness to the sound that it was like there was something missing. And it's interesting yep. how people who you got you got like you nostalgic for that record for the there's a depth. There is like it's this weirdness, there's a richness to record yeah. like on the magnetic between digital digital became cold digital's made everything like this coldness i don't know it's weird I'll, I'll i'll give magnetic one thing kind of that's interesting and unique to it and that is that i mean i guess somehow maybe you can delete digital eventually so that there's no fingerprint of it but right. apparently they seem to think there can always find a fingerprint of it yeah. But with magnetic recording, you can record over it. Right. You can you can erase it. Yeah. You can, you know, and you know, there was that was one of the cool things about it. Whenever you you got sick of that cassette tape that you didn't listen to anymore, and they had that trick, you know, where they popped the tabs out so that you couldn't record over it. And you were like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna go put some tape over it, record over oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, there was nothing, and that's uh, there was nothing more fun to me than sitting around with a stack of CDs and putting mixtapes together and stuff, man. I mean, uh, yeah. and yeah, tapes yeah. and just well, the the old tape, the tape, you know, when it when you had a two deck cassette tape, you know what I mean? Those yep. boom boxes yep. that had the two, and then you could sit there and, <laughs> and you had to work the pause button to try to get, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so to get as much music onto the tape as possible, you had to like kind of instead of stopping, you had to work the pot. Oh man, all that stuff. That's great. Yeah, to certain people hearing us talk about this shit, they have no fucking clue. <laughs> That's what's amazing. Oh, yeah. it's, just, it's so weird to be this age to be like, I'm old enough to we can talk about stuff that other younger people can listen to and really have no clue what we're talking about. <laughs> That's crazy. I think there's a weird trade off. I appreciate having access to everything. I get the point. You know, yeah. it's it's nice. It's it's amazing to be able to listen to any song I want to because I've got an app on my phone that'll let me do it. Yeah. But there was also an absolute beauty to being limited and having to be creative with what you were doing and having fun with it. Yeah. 
But I will say back when I was a kid and trying to listen to music, it was frustrating to not be able to hear just what you wanted to listen to. So today's kids have it. They've, they've got it good. They've taken it too far, though. I think too many people are, are in a bubble when it comes to their entertainment. That they're, it, I think when it comes to the arts, it's very important to have mm-hmm. your foundation shook. Because how else do you, if it wasn't for me being exposed to music that I was unsure of, too many nowadays because of the personalized lists and you can surround yourself with everything that you like, you, even just the radio, just riding in the car with, with your parents. And you didn't have control of what you you were probably exposed to songs that you would have never heard unless mm-hmm. it was shown to you like that. And nowadays it's almost like kids aren't exposing themselves to things that they don't like. So then no, they don't have that variety. We have not as a kid, that random variety, right? You're not expanding your, but it's like having a set vocabulary. And those are the only words you're ever going to say, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because I'm not going to learn about anything else that I don't know about. Or it's, I don't know. It's weird. I, I'll, I'll argue. I'll argue just a bit of a point back with you, having you know spent some time with this generation, with the folks that work for me. Yeah. And that would be that we can't necessarily say we weren't fed through commercial radio stations the top 100 songs over the course of a right. year that they wanted us to hear. Yep. And then that could have very well shaped us and been what was all available and that's it. And, and th- the difference with today's kids is they've got a much, you, you know, we had a little tiny pond to jump into to discover yep. our music. Yeah. And today's kids have, you know, a planet well, of water, exactly. you know, everything I, you honestly, know, for us, Vermonters, our saving grace, fucking W E Q X. That was great. 102.7, having an alternative station or like alternative music. It's such a weird, I I hate that. (laughs) Because to me, alternative (laughs) is all the music that nobody could classify. So they just stuck it together and called it alternative. Uh You know what I mean? Because that covers Nine Inch Nails. Oh, that's just alternative. Alternative to what? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So anyway, I'm glad that we had EQX um, uh, available to us because it was a station that exposed me to music i would never would not have heard other than hearing it on eqx late night mtv stuff, headbangers ball and shit like that honestly i mean stuff like that. yeah dude i was very lucky to live down in bennington yeah and, yeah. and you know when wqx was at, it's really kind of a tight yeah. and and it's funny because to this day I'll scan radio stations around the world. I'll use apps and stuff and I'll try to find different radio stations to listen to. And every once in a while I'll put WEQX on. And I'm like, you know, out of everything I found, this station is still actually really pretty good. It really is. It's, it's closer to what I remember it being like 25 years ago than anything else I can find on the radio. And yet if I talk to any of my cool hipster friends from Bennington, they're like, it sucks now. It sucks. No, I know. It's, it's, come on. <laughs> no, I've, I've driven between Missouri and Vermont numerous times now. And, uh, yeah. and I, I, I would scan the radio for entertainment just to pass the time, you know? And yep. honestly, once I got in range of Albany and I could get EQX in and it was like, that, I would put that on and just leave it on. And I would that was never, home stretch because I would never have to be, but it was the fact I was hearing music, that whole journey of 1400 miles of listening to the same shit. The uh, classic rock to the map, they all play the same stuff. You get to yeah. QX, you're hearing, I would hear music that I didn't hear the whole yeah. trip. You know yeah. what I mean? And that, that was refreshing to be like, oh, yeah. 
Nice. That's what radio is supposed to be about. <laughs> not you shouldn't be able to tune your watch to like, oh, it's four thirty. They're gonna play Bob Seger now. You know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> and that's you know, it's funny you say that, but I used to work in a kitchen, and we used to actually be able to call the next song on <laughs> classic yeah. radio that was going to come on while oh, we yeah. were there on a Friday. You know, we knew what time one bourbon, one shot, one beer by George Thorogood was going to play. Yep. We knew exactly. And it was almost like they followed each other. So that's why we knew. But yeah, yeah at the Sirloin Saloon, we used to get about that in the back room to be like, oh, it must be about nine o'clock in the morning. They're playing Tom Petty. You know, <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have to tune your watch to what the radio is playing. That's not what radio is That's about. great. That's commercial radio. See, that's the bullshit commercial. I hate how commercial has snuck into all this shit that is like artsy and supposed to be like unfiltered and stuff. You know what I mean? Commercial radio to me is like an oxymoron. They shouldn't be together. It is. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. You yeah. know what I mean? They say shouldn't. That's it's someone's art <laughs> music. It's you shouldn't be capitalizing so much on it and it ruins it. It dilutes it. All right, Adrian, before we digress any further away from sound, we're going to wrap up this episode. Hey, it's a sound is such an open-ended topic. <laughs> so many ways to do it. Oh, we didn't even get to talk about Foley, the Foley sound. I mean, learning about how they make sound in movies, the fact that they <laughs> I mean, that's, blows your mind. It makes you watch movies in a whole different way to know that there's some dude clomping along with shoes on a floor or you know, <laughs> sound effects and stuff. It really does. It adds a whole new level to it. Maybe we'll go back to that, you know, the mystery of, you know, sound or, you know, mystery of, you know, behind the scenes of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, we'll just do movie sound or something sometime. Awesome. Do right, well, you want me to sign it off? Go ahead. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Midlife Media Guys. We enjoy talking to you about sound and talking around sound, I guess. <laughs> around <laughs> sound. Yeah, that'd be a great story. <laughs> it's not surround sound. We talked around sound. <laughs> Our next episode will be coming up. Soon after this, we're going to feature the lovely American holiday 420 and everything media related to it. Are you ready for that, Adrian? Heck, oh, of course. I'm yeah. fully, fully stocked in information about that, trust me. Yes. I, I expect you to sound like you're having a much better time than me when we do that episode. Oh, okay, yeah, bud. Okay. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this, and yes, we'll catch you soon. So Adrian? Yeah, we'll have a good one, man. All right. We'll speak to you soon. Peace, love, and podcast. Yes.